Hello, you're listening to the Adams and Hayes podcast, the podcast where two blokes who really should know better try to make health and safety a little less boring. It's the Christmas episode. Um, so we're, we're being a little bit, we're trying to be a little bit more relaxed. Anthony's still um, in work mode. Um, so he's got a couple more days left at work. Um, I, however, do not. Um, and really had to resist the urge to drink a whiskey while recording this podcast. I would, I would approve of you drinking whiskey while recording a podcast. Um, I am one hundred percent going to spend the rest of today playing PlayStation. Um, Can you do that under the influence? I'm replaying The Witcher Three. I got a PlayStation Five as an early Christmas present and uh, downloaded The Witcher Three remastered. Fantastic game, absolutely love it. Replaying it. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I'm playing it on Death March. It is exactly what it says on the tin. Not the kind of game you can play under the influence if you want to make any progress with it. Fair enough, fair enough. So it's not like a, a not very serious game, like a FIFA or a Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, I was playing, I am playing Hogwarts Legacy at the moment as well, which I'm really enjoying. And at the risk of turning this into a gaming podcast, um, I am enjoying that. It's a little bit slower. I think you could play it while half cut. That sounds like my kind of game. Although I tend not to game. I have a PS4. I don't really use it, if I'm honest. What do what do you what do you play on your PlayStation? I'm sure I asked you before, but Um, pretty much um FIFA. Um every now and then. Like I'm just really not into it. Um I used to really like playing God of War. Um, but again, I'm I'm not a very good gamer. Never really have been. So it needs to be on a really easy setting for me to get any enjoyment out of it. And it's not that I don't like a challenge. It's the fact that I'm just rubbish at it. I know what I know what I'm capable of, and gaming is not one of them. Although gamification of riding my bike, I'm pretty good at. Yeah, with Zwift. Yeah. I've um I used all my Strava stats into Velo Viewer yesterday. Right. And I've come up with a really good infographic on what I achieved last year, which I'm actually pretty proud of. So oh, good. Yeah. So yeah, you nice. keep your Hogwarts legacy and your Witcher three. I'm just gonna keep keep pedaling. Right. So um, we're doing a bit of a chiller podcast today, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we attempted to do this yesterday. That didn't go well, so we're doing it again. Um, no. That's my fault. Sorry about that. Well, it's not really your fault. It's your child's fault for getting ill again. Yeah. Which I. Th- I I honestly think that your son has a vendetta against you. <laughs> he must be like, how can I make my parents' lives even more stressful? I know I'm going to get ill three times in the space of two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I was more, it, he was absolutely fine this morning. Yesterday, had a temperature, um, definitely not himself, but he woke up mm. this morning, absolutely fine. Um However, I felt a bit not um, yeah, not sure I'm 100% here, uh, but I've kind of improved as the day's gone on, which is good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did try record this yesterday, um, and I'm glad actually that that happened because when I listened back to the recording, and I will apologize for last week's episode where the sound did sound a little bit like I was underwater, and there was nothing we could do about that, unfortunately. What I have realized, and it helped yesterday because I listened back to the recording that we did yesterday, also sounded like it was underwater, realized that I've been recording, for whatever reason, 
my computer has decided to start using my microphone, which is built into my webcam, which is not a very good microphone. Um, so yeah, that's why it sounded rubbish. So I'm glad we kind of had a dry run yesterday because it meant I could properly check it and I fixed it. And I'm hoping that when we listen back to this, it will sound much clearer. Than... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I think yesterday we were uh, a bit giddy as well. Uh, we were kind of <laughs> sod it. We're not going to do anything that we normally do. We're not going to talk about yeah. anything that we normally talk about. We're just going to talk about a book club, which yeah. we are still going to talk about. We're still going to do, yeah. Um, what we did talk about yesterday, which was exciting, um, we did a very short piece of news. And I think this is... Um, good news for the safety industry in a sense that you know it's nice that we're getting this coverage the bbc reported on radio one and i assume on some of their other radio stations a health and safety fine that was leveraged against tiger tiger in london who had for whatever reason managed to swap the salt that they were serving with tequila for a cleaning product um and tiger tiger were fined a hundred thousand pounds now obviously um not a great place to be in and uh, there's a lot we could go into about kosh but i think it's it's cool to see that mainstream media occasionally pick up health and safety stories uh, and that they do make headline news and that they are something that is on the agenda of uh more mainstream news outlets so there's a win for the news for this this week so yeah i think the uh the main thing that we're going to talk about well we've got two things that we're going to discuss on this last mm. podcast of the year three Three things that we're going to talk about on this last podcast of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have written this down, Anthony. Come on. Um, I should really check my notes. Yeah. So we've got. So on the, on today's episode, we're doing uh, our 2023 book club uh, recommended books for safety professionals slash gift guide. If you don't know what to get for someone in your life, see. I think we need to drop that one on the basis that we're currently on the 21st. It's not going to go out till the 22nd. If you haven't sorted your Christmas shopping by now. You don't deserve to be given tips on what to buy people. I no, I think that's completely. Really? I mean, I've done. Yeah, We're no, done. I definitely. When I'm young, when I was younger, I definitely did Christmas shopping on the twenty third, twenty fourth of December. Um, one hundred percent. Wow. Um, not anymore. They're all bought. Um, and I've had a bit of anxiety because one of my wife's Christmas presents I ordered just over two weeks ago. Um, and it flashed up as will be delivered in time for Christmas. And I thought, great, we're going to get that. Um, and I think Emma will really appreciate it. Then sort of at the start of the week, I went, I haven't heard anything about this gift. So I jumped on the email and it's being shipped directly from China. And I was like, mm, that's not going to arrive on time. But by the looks of things, it landed at Heathrow yesterday every or Hermes or whatever they're called now have it, and they are en route to deliver it. That's so, pretty good. I'm hoping that's going to arrive. But 17-year-old me would literally be in a hole crying right now. Yeah. Because if I looked up and went, yeah, I'm going to buy that, um, and it was like two-week delivery, I'd be like, no. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's I think that's that's a bit of a brutal statement. I'm going to challenge you on that. I think some people need tips. It's cool. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I mean, we, we're supposed to advocate for planning. Mm. We 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 frequently talk about how many problems would have been solved if people would have planned things properly. Mm. 
Sorry, sorry, just let's just pause. This coming from the person who frequently says, I'm an adult, and if I want something, I will go and buy it. Yeah. I don't like being given gifts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to be both. <laughs> Humans are complicated. They are, yeah. Um, so we're gonna do book club and then we're gonna have a little chat about our predictions for the next twelve months. Um on what we think is going to be on the agenda in terms of health and safety and what what should be on the agenda, whether you know, whether are the things that we think we're not going to see in the next 12 months, but we really should do. Um and this isn't accurate. This is a gut feeling, right? We're not, you know, we haven't done any major analysis other than our own sort of gut feelings. So that'll be interesting. Mm. And then if you haven't looked at the notes, we are supposed to be doing a highlight from the last season. Um, so for those of you that have been listening along with us, this will be the last episode that we do until February. We're going to have some time off in January to to plan um, and to have a chat with some some different people to try and get some more guests on because that's worked really well. Um, so we're going to have a little look back on the season that we've done um, and sort of chat about one of our highlights. Sounds good. Should we uh, get cracking? Yeah, let's do it. Right, so I think we start with the book club. So, yeah. what are your recommendations? So, I've got a couple. Um, I've got my first one is one that my dad and my dad actually recommended to me, and I've read the first two or three chapters. And I need to keep. Obviously, I haven't read the whole thing, so you know we could we could come back to this. I'm not. You can hear the. This is a real book. Going to do some sound effects there. Um, is Nudge, uh, and I think you've you've got this one as well. I do indeed. Which is, um, this is the final edition, there's a couple, um, by Richard H. Thaler and Cassar Sunstein. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting to start to understand kind of the broader context of nudging. Now, we talk about, a lot about nudging in safety uh, and in health and safety around how we can nudge people into the right right decisions and i think one of the things i found really interesting about reading the first chapter um and then the the subsequent chapters that i've read but it really comes out in the first chapter nudging is not about taking choice away from people so you're trying to give them a choice and make the right choice more appealing but you're not taking away the wrong choice which I've found really, really interesting. I'm you're reviewing a book that you've read a couple of chapters on. Yeah. It seems a bit odd. Or or you're recommending a book that you've read a few chapters on. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think I think you can do that. Yeah? I'm still going through it. Yeah, it's not my top top review. I'm just saying, you know, the first one I'm picking is cool. is Nudge. Um so having you've read the whole thing, presumably. Yeah. yeah. So what, and I kind of picked it because I thought, you know, I've read the first couple of chapters and I found the first couple of chapters really interesting, mm. but wanted to ask you, like, from having read the whole thing, am I, am I on the right, am I on the right track there? Yeah, or? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, we, we've always kind of advocated for small incremental change and mm. making small changes in a lot of them makes a massive difference. Hmm. Um, it's very much the same with nudge theory. Mm. That, um, like I said, not removing anything, but informing people 
giving mm. them more information for them to make the best decisions is nudging them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's um, it's backed by behavioral science, which is always a good thing. Yeah, we like science. What's your first book? Um, I was actually going to discuss your second book before we move on to mine, because it's another book that I've also read. Um, Humankind. <laughs> yeah, and I've actually read this twice now because I read it the first time and thought that was really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Then we had a conversation about it because you read it. Yeah. And you appeared to have seen a lot of stuff in that book that I didn't see. So I I read it again just to see what I'd missed. Um, mm. And yeah, I must have, I don't know, been skim reading or something uh, because mm. a lot of the the information from from that book just didn't go in. Mm. Where I read it a second time with a bit more concentration. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely a book that I'd suggest everybody reads. So this is one that I have finished and I've read it one and a half times because I read it through halfway once and then forgot about it and had to read it again. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Why would you recommend it to? Um, I think it's a good reminder that people are generally good people are generally good and i think we forget that i think the industry that we work in i think the industries that we work with we always kind of have a bit of a it's us against them they're the bad guys we try to be the good guys and yeah um but no this this book is very much a it kind of breathes life back into humanity and reminds people that actually there's some really good stuff going on and not everything is doom and gloom. So the, the, the full title of the book is Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rutger Bregman. And one of the things that Rutger covers as he goes through this is Lord of the Flies. I don't know if you read Lord of the Flies at school. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody did that at our age. Yeah, <laughs> and the key message of William Golding who wrote Lord of the Flies is that human beings are all inherently evil and we all need structure around us and society to stop us descending into you know caveman antics of essentially murdering each other via horrible yeah disgusting means yeah. um and that we we need saving from ourselves and all the rest of it and it Rutger really he tears him apart tears him apart I don't know if I'd say he tears him apart I think he presents the argument as to why that that is anthropologically, I've said that term, incorrect. Yeah. And why there's no real historic evidence to back up this idea that if we wound the clock back 10,000, 15,000 years to when we all lived in caves, we were savages. And actually, if you wound the clock back, you'd find that we were all quite a lot nicer to each other. And that inherently within our nature, we are actually good. Um, so I, yeah, I think he presents the evidence really well. I think it's one of those things where he addresses some of the really key studies that have come up over the past 60 years in psychology. Um, he addresses Lord of the Flies as a book, um, and some of the key paradigms that have been established within our society where we actually believe that human beings are inherently evil and that therefore we need systems and we need controls in place to stop people doing the wrong things. So I think he does tear him apart, but very, very articulately. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And, and it's an extremely hopeful book as well. Yeah. And it's not just um, Lord of the Flies. 
there's there's been several studies done mm-hmm. since that have tried yeah. to validate effectively the Lord of the Flies theory. Yeah. Where it turns out that most of that was staged, but because yeah. it was kind of it was really big at the time, people really believed it and bought into it. The the yeah. lie just became self perpetuating. Yeah. So when it came to people admitting that no, actually we faked all of that, we staged all of that, um, yeah. that they turned around and went, well, that doesn't matter anymore because no. society has now taken over our beliefs. Yeah. Which for me was really eye-opening mm. in in so much as even when people are ready to turn around and say we lied about that, uh-huh. they're almost validating their lies through, but this is what society wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Fundamentally, if we see an animal in a field, our brain wants to club it to death, drag it back to our cave, strip yeah. it and eat it, which that isn't the case. I've yeah. never once looked at an animal and thought the first thing I want to do is bash its skull in and yeah. and eat. That Yeah. Yeah. No. Um and I think the just to take that a step further, I think the the point that Rocker Bregman makes is a lot of human beings would assume that if it was you versus somebody else for that animal in a field, then you would you would club the other person to death first before you went after <laughs> the animal. Um, and Rutger's kind of making the point that human beings, we just, that's not our story. Um, and yeah, I think it is a hopeful history. It's a very hopeful history. And I would recommend it, particularly as we go in, I think, again, we're going to cover off our predictions for the next 12 months. I think in a society where we've become pretty polarized in our positions on each other actually addressing some of the stuff that we um struggle with and our views on other people is really helpful my wife bought me this book after i went through a phase of just saying i'm surrounded by assholes everyone's an asshole and i kind of just got into a place where i just didn't feel very hopeful about other people and actually it really it challenged a lot of the stuff that maybe i'd brought in from school in terms of i really bought into william golding's everybody's you know inherently evil we're all just trying to get ourselves through the day um and actually it was quite transformational for me i think it has changed the way that i deliver my role as well so yeah uh, i would agree with your recommendation fantastic i feel like we've done two of two shared recommendations so um come on give us give us a recommendation then anthony sure so my recommendation or my first recommendation is a factfulness 10 reasons why we're wrong about the world and why things are better than you think. So going off humankind, really, um, it kind of spurred me on to read this book uh, by the late Hans Rosling. Um, so it, it lays out really articulately why the world is in a better position than what we think it is and the effects that mainstream media in particular has on people's view of the world. Mm. And um, it would ask kind of ordinary people and it will lay out the statistics. It will show you the surveys that have been done. It's a really well, well detailed book. Um, it, it will ask um, 45 Americans, name a third world country. And mm. all of them said Africa. Well, mm-hmm. which part of Africa? Well, we don't know Africa. Well, Africa's mm. huge. It's as big as America. Um, yeah. Which, which part is is would you see as being in the third world 
well, Africa. Well, that isn't the case, is it? Mm. And it really kind of, it broke down all of the things that we are told pretty much daily. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of mapped it out into years ago, the worst several sections of Africa that would have been deemed in the third world. However, mm-hmm. with the advance of technology, with medicines, with healthcare, mm-hmm. with all of this stuff that is now available, they're, they're actually bringing themselves up and the countries mm-hmm. around them are bringing themselves up. So mm-hmm. that country that you might think needs to be pitied or might need extra support or whatever, that isn't the case, but that's not what uh- we see. What we see yeah. is people on TV with their ribs showing to say that we they need some some assistance from the outside world. And we kind of look down on those people as a society to mm. say, well, they need to help themselves. They need to do less of this. They need to do more of this. Where mm. actually that isn't the case. They're, they're doing, yeah, I think there's a, there's a really interesting point there where our news covers the struggle but it doesn't tell the good news stories that doesn't take away from the struggle, but it's, it's that classic thing, isn't it? Of people go, well, charity starts at home. Well, it does. Um, because you're at home and you need to kind of be charitable in yourself, but, um, saying that, you know, that group of people need to help themselves. Mm. Well, they are trying. Of course they're trying. But we don't see that in the news. We don't no. see that they are they are doing what they can in the situations that they're in. No, but this um, this book lays this out really well, and it it looks at pretty much everything from mm. knife crime to GDP to percentage of waste being generated, etc. It looks at a plethora yeah. of um of different things, and what it shows is that everyone now globally are in a better position than they were 20 years ago 40 years ago 60 Mm -hmm. years ago things are better people aren't dying as much people are living longer yeah people are generally healthier yeah um one thing that we do really need to be mindful of is the damage that we're doing to the planet yes that is also covered in the book with a we can't get away from that that is happening Here's the data to prove that it's happening, just like here's the data to prove that knife crime in New York City has dropped. I think you've covered that really well. I think to kind of crystallize the point I think you're making is we've got a lot better at dealing with some of the core problems in society. But because we don't talk about how much better those situations are, we're maybe missing the problems that are actually on the horizon. We're not horizon scanning. Mm. And we're not actually being proactive about the stuff that's coming towards us because we're still being pessimistic about the problems that actually we've solved. Yeah. Or are of in the midst of solving. And it's because you turn on your TV or you see a newspaper or you look on social media and the stuff that sells newspapers is bad news. It taps into that fear factor that we have. Like the the most clicked on article will be an airplane crash on the basis that that many people are scared of flying, that people want to view that content. They want to validate themselves that the reason they're scared of flying is because planes fall out of sky, but that doesn't happen that often. 
It's addictive though, isn't it? I spent 25 minutes last night <laughs> watching um, the top 25 core chaos in America. And it's mad. Yeah. But I'm like, this, the whole way that it's narrated as if every single, so there's 25 of them and they get, they're not in order, which I found really frustrating <laughs> because they would show you a really intense one and then they would go if you think this is bad see what happened in this court and there were 25 i'm like top 25 maybe they're the only 25 chaotic Possibly. situations like but that's not how that's sold to you yeah. no it's saying it's the the top 25 which suggests that there are hundreds more examples and these possibly are the thousands possibly could have been but millions we don't know do we some of them were just really tame mm. and you know not necessarily nice but the chaos part mm. weren't particularly chaotic chaotic yeah. some of them were like full-on that is mad <laughs> um that is bonkers um but yeah yeah and it's addictive and you sit there and you watch through it and yeah it's a good challenge because initially your thought is well if this is the top 25 you know how many are there are there a hundred or there are a thousand or i'm gonna go they, looking for more now yeah i'm gonna go looking for more i want to see the yeah. top hundred and yeah yeah but that that's that for me that's why factfulness is is up there on my recommendation this year the infographics in there the way that he presents his data the source of his data the transparency um it, it's all really well done and it genuinely by the time you finish reading the book you kind of think actually the world isn't on fire as much as we think it is there are parts that need to be dealt with there's no getting away from that but the stuff that is kind of force fed to people on a daily basis is literally just to sell either products or advertisements or um or ourselves that's what social media sells mm. it sells our attention and it sells our attention to other people right my second um and final one listeners you'll be happy to hear um my final recommendation was recommended to me by Melissa Fazakali. Um, the Ride of a Lifetime from Robert Iger, formerly of Walt Disney Corporation. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah, there we go. Yes. That's I was like, I, I know who that is. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So it's basically his autobiography, the journey that he needed to take um, in order from working at a relatively small company to working at a larger company to then effectively being the head of the Disney Corporation and the really difficult choices that they needed to make. I, yeah. I just found it really, really interesting. Um, all, a lot of stuff was happening in the background at Walt Disney that none of us would have known about because we weren't mm. part of it. Um, but even the likes of um, Disney Plus being a platform now, Robert Iger and his team needed to make a decision that they would have, they needed to pull all of their content from the other streaming platforms in order to establish Disney Plus, And that came at financial loss on the basis that they'd signed contracts. They'd signed contracts with Netflix. They'd signed contracts with, with other streaming operators, uh, platform owners. And they needed to get out of those contracts. They needed to pay their way out to those contracts in order to bring us what is now Disney Plus. And that was all made, all those decisions were made on Robert Iger's watch. Um, so yeah, it's it's informative from a business perspective on 
how businesses will need to make difficult decisions and difficult financial decisions if their long-term plan has a benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, I mean, a massive corporation like Walt Disney, if they put mm. an in, if they put a foot wrong, they're in the news. Everybody wants to know what's happening at Walt Disney as a corporation, because people remember Walt Disney. People remember the Disney films that they grew up knowing. Um, So yeah, he was very conscious that any decision that he made, it, it will leave a lasting legacy. He just needed to make sure that it was a good legacy. Um, so I have one more book, which is probably less interesting, but I would say is essential for anybody in construction going into 2024. And again, the reasoning for this recommendation will become clear as we go into our predictions for the next 12 months, but it's understanding it's actually a series. So there's two versions of this book. It's the one that I've got is understanding the NEC four ECC contract, which sounds really boring, but actually these uh, are written by a guy called Kelvin Hughes. So you can get the NEC three version as well. And they really, really clearly lay out how to use your contracts really, really well. And for a safety professional, for a health and safety professional, this is a really accessible way of understanding really quickly how contract, how the NEC contract works. And actually the NEC contract for those that are in construction um, is, is the bread and butter for most large scale construction projects. So um, it's good to go. There are other other contracts out there. There's the FIDIC suite of contracts. There's the joint contract tribunal contracts as well. But most people in the UK are working off of NEC. And actually the principles in here will help you understand how other contracts work as well. Um, it's not massive. Um, as you, as Anthony can see, we're not on it. Um, I think, let's see how many pages. This is going to be funny if I open this and actually it's got like 2,000 pages. No, no. you're probably looking at about 400. Not even that. Ooh. 300. 300 pages cover to cover fantastic um and the probably 30 pages of that are kind of reference and uh, references and stuff so you're probably looking at about 270 pages end to end um and it's not like really boring stuff it's very practical um there's a lot of this is how it works there's tables there's examples all the rest of it and it's just i would say going into 2024 if you're in construction, health and safety, and you don't have your head wrapped around how a contract works, this is the book for you. Uh, it's Understanding the NEC4 ECC Contract, um, a practical handbook by Kelvin Hughes, um, and it's published by Rootledge. Yeah, Rootledge do quite a lot of those technical style publications. Um, they were responsible for pretty much all of the Nibosh, uh revision material by Ed mm. Ferris. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I caught one recently. I think, oh, yeah, of course I did. Uh, building regulations pocketbook, which I don't know how big the pockets are at Rutledge. Um, <laughs> that is not a pocketbook. <laughs> no, that's not going to fit your pocket. That is not a pocketbook. It's on my desk uh, being used as a paperweight. Yeah. Uh, just in um, case I need to jump into it. Well, we, you, you use it as a bit of reference material for us, don't you, when we you or I have a question around building rigs, so that's quite useful. But yeah. that's not on the recommendation list. Okay. I don't is understand it? why your contract's one. You can. No, I'm asking you. No, if no, it's... no, it's fine. I mean. No, because I was going to say, you, 
the way you sold it as I'm using it as a paperweight did not sound like a recommendation. And after you slaughtered me for recommending a book I've only read probably a third of, I thought, mm, that's a bit of a stretch, mate. <laughs> I haven't even started on the fact that you've you've um, you've you've recommended a book that is work related over Christmas. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah, People I mean, want to switch not off, all, right? sorry, just to clarify, these are not all gift suggestions some of them are and actually i think what we do now is we go uh gift suggestion or guide for safety professionals so um and who's it for basically so we'll start with the one that we'll start with the first sort of quote-unquote joint one which is a nudge by richard h ladder and cass r sunstein um, and this is published by penguin um what we're saying gift or workbook oh <laughs> A workbook. workbook. Read that and log it as your CPD. Read that and log it as your CPD. Great. Yeah, I think you could definitely put that on your IOSH blueprint. I think there's a lot of practical stuff in there around delivering safety in 2024. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's a workbook. Hmm. So the second one we did was Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rutger Bregman. Um, this one's published by Bloomsbury. Um, I'm going to go present i'm gonna um, go present i think there's some work stuff in here but i think it's a really enjoyable read i yeah. think it's really interesting you could easily read it on a holiday without feeling like you were doing work yeah definitely and not just that you will feel better after reading that book about the mm -hmm. world it's good for your soul yeah the next one's factfulness yeah um i'd say present yeah yeah author and publisher author and publisher um now you're asking. I'm good. You know, I need to move a nuclear submarine out the way to get to this. <laughs> Shocking. Um, thank you, submarine souvenirs, for my uh, my 3D printed nuclear submarine. Um, that was not on my Christmas list. But it should be for all those ex-submariners. Uh, so, Factfulness, Hans Rosling, um, published by Scepter. What was the other question? Work or professional? Uh, work or present? Uh, present. Definite present. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I'm not going to lie, you're going to be reading a lot of data. You're going to be having a look at a lot of stats, but it is really worth it. It's a good one to crack out in a social situation as well if you're having a bit of a deep, meaningful conversation with some friends. So I've got a copy of it, and we cracked it out a few weeks ago with our friends, Aaron and Lydia, uh, and we did we did the little quiz bit at the start because there is a quiz you can quiz yourself, can't you? And kind of measure where you're at on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which I think you, you did with me, which was very yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, there's a website called Gapminder that are run by Hasl Han Hans Rosling's, um, I think it's son and daughter. Hmm. Uh, yeah, son and daughter-in-law. Hmm. So yeah, check out Gapminder if you don't have a chance to read the book. And finally, Ride of the Lifetime, which is definitely a gift. Um, yeah. I don't have that to hand, so I don't know who published it. Is is it not published by Disney? Do they not publish their own books? I'm not too sure. In fact, let me have a quick look. Um, uh, Penguin. It's published by Penguin. 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 Amazing. Um, and that's a definite gift. Yeah. yeah. So we've got one workbook, 
three gifts so far. Yeah. So the the last one on the list is the. I mean, this one's obvious. It goes without saying. This is a workbook. Uh, this is a useful book for professionals. Do not buy this for your significant other as a Christmas present. They will not thank you for it. Um, but it's extremely useful for work. So I'm just going to call that off the top of it. It's understanding the NEC ECC contract. Uh, and there's the NEC three and four version by Kelvin Hughes, and that's published by Rutledge. Would you agree that's a workbook? A hundred percent workbook. If I sent you that for Christmas, how would you feel about it? Um, I'm not reading it until after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So that's, uh, that's 2023 book club. Yeah. So cool. I think we need to move on to our next feature for this final podcast of the year predictions predictions for 2024 so what we're not going to do is try and explain them we're not going to try and quantify them um we may maybe we'll do some blog posts at the start of the new year on our website with a bit more detail on them um i think that's the way to go i'm just also looking at how long it took us to do book club which i think was a really good feature um but I reckon we, we've only got about 15 minutes left to finish off the podcast. Pretty so, much. And it is nearly Christmas. So, you know, let's, let's keep it light. Um, Anthony, predictions for the next 12 months. Um, what's going to be big on the agenda? Um, I think um, the building safety regulator is going to be big on the agenda next year. Yeah, I definitely think. I would agree with that. I think we're going to see a lot from them as they gear up and really mobilize. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm expecting, I nearly called it noise then. That's probably mm. the wrong wrong way to look at it. I think there's going to be a lot of communications coming out of them now mm -hmm. that they've started having a look at how things are done, how things are being managed. Definitely. I just really hope that they sort their own competency um yeah requirements out before standing in that glass house and throwing stones yeah i know what you mean i know exactly what you mean yeah so do you think um do you think there's anything else that will be on the agenda prediction wise we saw in the stats this year that workplace mental health um and anxiety and stress is absolutely through the roof we need something to start reducing that we need some form of intervention. We need some form of focus. Um, the the government, the government, the HSE did a really good job this year focusing on dust, uh, which is something that's really kind of close to my heart um, for family reasons. I hope this year the focus, I don't think it, it's planned to be, but I'm hoping that the focus for an organisation this year will be workplace stress and mental health. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with you on that one in terms of well-being. It's definitely something we've seen in the stats this year. 50%, almost 50% of ill health is related to mental health illnesses. Um, and it's something I would love to see on the agenda. I think I think the key part of that that needs to be on the agenda next year in 2024 is companies looking beyond just the culture piece. How can we move beyond the stats that we're seeing at the moment? without relying just on our culture. Really important. I think we need to move beyond that. So I would like to see that on the agenda. Mm. One of the things I think that we will see on the agenda, and this is a prediction, we've seen it already towards the back end of the year, a couple of cases drip through in court where the HSE is starting to go after multiple duty holders under CDM. And I think that's going to ramp up. 
I think they're starting to set the precedent. The regulations have been in place, or they will have been in place for the best part of nine, nine years, years yeah. in January, which is mad. The, the um, revised regulations. The revised regulations, yeah. Mm. And I think the HSE will be starting to gear up and going, we're going to come and look at you as a project team now and the way that you are actually managing this work together, designing this work and delivering this work as a team. Mm. And you are no longer going to be able to turn around and go, well, that's the contractor's risk. We are actually going to come and start interrogating that. And Mm. I think that is something that we will see. One of the other things that I think we will see, and again, this is me trying to be hopeful, um, and this is probably somewhere in between, but I'm starting to see it in some of the conversations I'm having with other she professionals. Mm. I think we are going to start to see people beginning to articulate the value of health and safety beyond just not hurting people. And I think it's something you and I are very passionate about is that hurting people is not good, but we need we need to get better at articulating the other impacts to the business. And I think that is something that we will see over the course of the next 12 months is health and safety professionals starting to become more confident and stronger in going to the business and saying, we really don't want to be hurting people, but it's also going to cost you this. This is also going to be the reputational impact. You know, there's there's the legal side of it, which we don't want to fall foul of. But in terms of running good business, this makes good business sense. Mm. And I think that's something that we will start to see grow over the course of the next 12 to 24 months. So those are those are my predictions for 2024. Well, the last one is highlights from the first season of the podcast. Yeah, go for it. What's your highlight? My highlight will be... Oh, wow, that's difficult. That's harder than I thought it would be. I honestly thought I'd just go, boom, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, Really enjoyed the conversation with Melissa. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was really insightful. It was good to have somebody of her experience and knowledge on the podcast. Um, I also enjoyed the chat with Patrick Stalson on what it's like to, um, um, to run a company whose aim is to deliver hand protection Mm. where it's more than hand protection it's caring for yeah. your workers yes um, so that that was really really interesting yeah i i really enjoyed patrick's episode as well i think that's one thing that stuck out to me um as a highlight i enjoyed both of our guest episodes to be fair um i think it's a good challenge for us it keeps us out of our echo chamber mm. um which is always a good thing but one of the things that really stuck out to me Um, from Patrick's episode, which is probably my highlight for the year. Um, And it's something that's really got me thinking and has really challenged a lot of my thought processes and is something I'm definitely still thinking through is moving away from things like hand protection falling into the same cost categories on a contract as toilet roll. Um, And those, they're not, they're not consumables. They're not, um, you know, we, we need to delegate more importance to that equipment. But on the flip side of that, how do you price safety into a contract without putting a limit on the cost for safety? Mm. Um, and I think that's a that's a really interesting concept to kind of work through. So really enjoyed that. Um, definitely challenged a lot of my thinking. Um, yeah. And I think we'll form a lot of the way that I operate I think, next year. I think the thing that stuck with me uh, from the conversation with Patrick was PPE is common commonly um, described as 
the last line of defence. We know it as safety professionals. It's the last line of defence. If that is the last thing that is going to be in place to protect somebody, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you make sure that the investment matches? Yeah, yeah. I think that's another really good good highlight. And it's, again, Patrick's episode was just full of nuggets of just pure brilliance yeah. of, oh, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And the logic of that is really sound. Um, and that's another really good example. Um, but I think it's a thought, a way of thinking that is a bit niche at the moment. Mm. Um, and hopefully we will see that that grows. So if you're relatively new to the podcast and you haven't heard the Patrick Stelson podcast or any of the podcasts, Dan does a really good job of naming them. Mm. So go through our podcast channels, either via Podfollow or Apple or Spotify, wherever you normally get your podcasts from. Um, and the, the Patrick one was the Stalson interview. Um, so yeah, go and give it a listen. So thank you very much for listening today. And thank you for listening to the series. If you haven't listened to any other episode, please feel free to go back and, and give them a listen. Uh, we're really proud of them. This is our first kind of series doing this. Um, and this is going to be the last episode of the series. We've really enjoyed it, but I think we also just want to enjoy our Christmas break. Don't we both had like quite busy years. So um, we're going to take some time off um, over Christmas. Um, and then in January, we're going to spend some time having a chat with some potential guests and trying to plan out what the next season's going to look like. So we do have a plan. We will be back. Um, Anthony, if people have got some suggestions for the next series, yeah, how can they send that to us? They can contact us via social media where we're on Insta or X as Adams underscore Hayes, or you can send us an email at podcast at aahcs.co.uk. Um, obviously, we'd really appreciate it if you've enjoyed this series and you haven't done so yet and you've been listening along. I think we've got about 20 regular listeners now, which is really positive. Um, each episode gets you know a few more than that, but we've got good core of about 20 people so we really appreciate you sticking with us for the whole season uh series season i think it's series over here i think it's season in america we've got some u.s listeners so you know fantastic cool. well well yeah. hello america well hello, hello. america well hello america. well hello america um, so yeah if so we've we've had about 20 of you listening that's really positive for us we really appreciate every single one of you um, if you haven't done already, we would love it if you could rate and review the podcast because that helps it uh, come up in other people's feeds. It like feeds the algorithm or something. I don't really understand it. But if you're rating and reviewing it, it will recommend it to other people who have similar interests to you um, who can also come and help us shape this, um, which is fun. Yeah, that's good, isn't if, it? If you've got any suggestions regarding topics or future guests that you'd like, um, please recommend them to us. Uh, we'll reach out to them. We'll try and get them onto the podcast to give mm-hmm. our listeners some more insight. Yeah. And I think next season we we can have a chat about features, but it would be cool to find a way to include some of your thoughts on the podcast. So if you've got a suggestion on how we could do that, um, we'd love to hear it. Um, if you've got an opinion and you think, I'd love I'd love for that to, um, to be on a podcast, um, then yeah. Let us know if you have a way that we could do that. Um, If you have a suggestion, that'd be cool.
So we will see you in February. We will. But for now, thank you and goodbye. Until Stay next safe. time. <laughs> wow, you intentionally sabotaged. <laughs> you, you do that last bit. You do that last bit. No, you do it. You do it. I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> no, sorry. Go on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So thank you for listening. We'll see you in February. But for now, thank you and goodbye. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay well.